Hello everyone, I am Marcibel and this is the Marcibel Podcast. to the Marcible Podcast, a podcast about culture, cultural nomads designed for blacks and Asians and those who love them. I am your host, Marcible, Nigerian-born, U.S.-educated, Korean-speaking, struggling intellectual. On this episode, I have a very important guest with me, and I met her through a mutual friend. Her name is Erika Tanaka Sunvine. She's Texan-born, Japanese-American, living in Austin, and after graduating from Abilene Christian University with a degree in advertising and public relations with a focus in graphic design she made the move to austin texas and she's loved every minute of that and we had on that because i used to live in austin one of my favorite cities in the world currently she works at an agency and she's freelancing her passions include branding her husband but not branding her husband if you know what i mean breakfast burrito and her dog milo so join me in welcoming erica to this podcast hi erica hi thank you so much for doing this with me absolutely this is gonna be fun oh thank you thank you so how is austin today it's wonderful I actually just got back today from a wedding in Dallas. Oh, nice. Austin is beautiful. It's <sighs> We had some rain, a lot of rain last just week. Stop it. I'm so jealous right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dog does not like the rain, so he like goes outside. He's like, why is it so wet? Oh, wow. Well, well, very good, very good. And how's the traffic from Dallas to Austin? Oh, my goodness. I don't miss that part, by the way. I slept while my husband drove. Oh, <laughs> good to know. Well, keep enjoying Austin. I, I love that city, and I really miss it. So, um, one of the reasons I invited you to the podcast, like you know, is your story to me is a compelling one. And you shared a little bit of it, and I thought it was going to be a wonderful fit for the podcast. So, I know you were born in Texas, but you're also Japanese-American. What does that mean to you? I am. So, my father was uh-huh. born and raised in Osaka, Japan, uh-huh. and he just said that he always knew growing up one day he was going to go to America. Uh-huh. And ironically, my mom, who is from Plainview, Texas, uh-huh. tiny little town, a uh, little suburb of Lubbock, Texas, yeah. and she grew up saying, I'm going to go to Japan one day. Wow. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Um, I absolutely, absolutely love having a dual culture like yeah. that. It's so rich yeah. um, in that there are a lot of great, great traditions I get to be a part of and a lot of cultures I get to experience. I grew up in a North Houston suburb that wasn't incredibly Asian culture, I guess. I think we were like the only Japanese family in like the Tri-County area. Oh, wow. <laughs> so the mailman even know you. Where are you going? Oh, to the Japanese family. Oh, they're just down the road. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one. The Tanakas, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just, I think it gave me a really, really great perspective hmm. on things that I grew up seeing. Like, honestly, it was, but in, if my dad moved to America, Mm-hmm. In his late twenties, just to pick up and move, didn't mm-hmm. know the language. Yeah. So his English is very broken. It's all self-taught. Yeah. So growing up with a dad that speaks broken English uh, taught me a lot of cultural patience mm-hmm. at a very young age, and um, I'm very thankful for that because it. A lot of times in my line of work, I it, it just gives you a little bit of extra patience with people and a little more understanding 
Yeah. That's a very good point. What, so by cultural patience, I just want to imagine is like when you meet someone that's different from you, just wanting to listen more and understanding their story before you respond. Is that what you mean by cultural patience? Uh, what I mean by it is I just, unfortunately, I just know a lot of people who can quickly get frustrated with people, especially with broken English. Or oh, I see. Don't understand cultural differences. I see. But it just doesn't mean the same. And I, of course, it's not okay, but I'm very thankful that I grew up in a situation that I'm very sensitive to that. It just gives me a better understanding for somebody else who has broken English. Yeah. Because the way I see it is that person knows more languages than me. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's true. And it's just a, a, a better appreciation yeah. for other for, um That makes sense a lot. And I've heard it said, I forget who, who said that quote, like, don't make fun of people that speak bad English. It means they speak more, one more language than you do. Exactly. Something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Good. I wish more people recognize that. <laughs> Very true. Thanks for sharing that perspective. So um, how much of, of your Japanese culture would you say really influences your branding as a whole? Yeah. So my parents' marriage is a great testament to a blended family is the best thing and um my mom loved my dad's cultural background and wanted to honor that in our family and but my dad also wanted to honor the culture of the land he was in like thanksgiving dinners we would have sukiyaki and sushi but it was like it was a really really neat hybrid hmm. of the american and japanese cultures and um so with that being said i have a really really great appreciation for somebody's cultural background so cool. when it comes to my freelance work yeah um, i like to if i'm working with a client who has a rich cultural history um I want to honor that and acknowledge mm. that because I think there's just so many beautiful elements to other cultures that um, aren't always recognized. Whenever I worked on your branding, yeah. I knew you had a Nigerian background and I wanted to honor that. Yeah. The bold patterns and the colors and you don't have to, it doesn't have to be like exactly like it looks from Nigerian designer, but there are subtleties in your design that... I wanted to bring attention to who you are because who you are is part of your brand. It is. And it's so important to recognize that. Yes. Thanks for saying that. And for those of you listening, Erica designed the logo for this podcast. So if you haven't seen it yet, just go onto the website and see it. And I should also mention it that we met through a mutual friend and they had recommended Erica to me to help with my brand logo. We had a phone call on a Sunday, I think sometime in February. And I, you know, she asked me, what's your podcast about? What is it going to be? What are you going to be talking about on your podcast? So I went through all of that with her. And when she sent me the sketch, it was like, wow. Like, wow. It was as if she, I didn't even tell her exactly what I wanted. I didn't tell her the colors. I didn't tell her, you know, the emblems and all that. I just told her a story about what I wanted my, the vision for my podcast. And Erica ran with that in such a way that, you know, it blew my mind. And I should let you, I haven't told you this. I actually tested it with my friends. Those that were, that are Nigerians living here and those that are Nigerians living in Nigeria. And it resonated well with everybody. Well, thank you so It resonated much. well with everybody. I mean, of course, there were like some few edits here and there, like, you know, move that a little, a little bit away from the, the letters. But as far as 
the whole concept, like the colors, what my podcast was supposed to represent, as well as what my story is supposed to represent. It was all encompassing. And I, I mean, that blew my mind away, Erica. To think that I didn't tell you exactly what I wanted, I just told your story and went with that. Well, thank you so much. That means <laughs> So much. Oh wow, thanks. Um, something I remember you telling me about was when your dad moved to the US, he had only fifty dollars in his pocket. Yeah, so oh my, my dad's goodness whole coming to America story is just crazy. <laughs> As somebody who has just like a ton of amount of anxiety and yeah. has to plan everything in advance just stresses me out. But he essentially um moved to America. He said he had fifty dollars. Wow. And he moved to California and he mm-hmm. said the only English he knew was how to say, I want, I need, and I must have. Oh, those are uh, good words to have. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so I could articulate what I, like the necessities. Yes. But so California in the 1970s was highly populated yeah. with uh, a South Asian population. Yeah. So my dad made an effort and you know, moving from a completely different country, mm. uh, said that he made a conscious effort to stay away from any Japanese community because he said he knew if he found a Japanese community, he would become comfortable and not adapt to the country he's living in now. Wow. He would never be forced to learn the language. But that just blows my mind because the bravery of moving to a country and you know there's communities of people. Yeah who are from your home country making an effort to not be a part of that just because you know yourself and that you need to learn the language. So he taught himself English from watching TV and reading newspapers. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's crazy. What a story. What a story. I mean, something you said that really, you know, struck a nerve inside of me was how he purposely avoided being just too comfortable with the Japanese community. And it wasn't as if, you know, antagonizing, like, I'm never going to talk to them. He, he knew what he wanted. He knew if I stayed with this people, I was going to get comfortable. I was probably going to speak Japanese all my life and all learn the culture. Because I moved from Japan, I moved away from Japan to another country. There's, it shows interest already. So how do I make this opportunity count? If you're in a new land, it's, it's good to at least find out what the culture of the land is and see how you can also retain your own identity. By the same time, how do you marry those two things together? Because you left your country for a reason, right? Absolutely. So I find that really humbling about your dad. And I'm sure that $50 has gone a long way. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so just this legacy that he's built has been, I mean, his whole life has been just working hard. Oh, wow. Um, he, uh, his family was uh, very well off Yeah. for the war. And then after the war, they lost everything. Oh, so wow. Rebuilding, and so he grew up um, limited means, and then making his dream come true by moving to America and building this family. And there's five of us: my mom, my dad, my bro- my older brother, and my little sister. Yeah. And it's just this rich legacy that we carry of a man who literally came from very low means and has built a family hmm. that he loves. That after years of being in America, he is proud of. And so, and he tells us all the time to walk tall. Walk tall. proud of who you are. Mm. And that is just such something that I've kept in mind. And I'm like, you know what? My dad taught himself English and moved here from America. And yeah. To life. I can make it through today. That's good. That's good. So it's also even encouraging you in your, you know, your personal life and, you know, things you aspire towards. Absolutely. He's 
definitely instilled in all of us at a young age yeah. a sense of perseverance and that, you know, things aren't just handed to you in life and you have to work for what you want, even in a land like America where there's so much opportunity yeah. to work what you want. True, very true. Now, um, I have a question for you, Erica. If you could go back and just imagine you being in that northwest suburban place you grew up in as um, Erica Tanaka, if you could wish for something different, as far as, you know, some struggles you might have had based on just your heritage, what would you say you wish could have happened differently? And I ask this question, so for those that are like you, you know, with that richness in culture and heritage, that might be going through something similar, like what kind of words of encouragement would you have for them? I wish as a child I had been more patient with my dad. I grew up in a uh, uh, northern suburb of Houston, like I mentioned. Um, I can remember going to events as a child and everybody else's white dads were there and all the teachers could understand what their white dads were saying. Yeah. I didn't have to try to explain what my dad was saying. And so it just like as a child you get impatient and you're just like, oh, why is my dad different? So you know, you know, you regret that as a child. Like never let it affect him and you know, if I would say anything to somebody who has like a somewhat similar background, uh parent with broken English hmm. or something. Just just have patience. Like it's frustrating for you, but it's gotta be more frustrating for them because That's they true. can't articulate what they're trying to say. Or they're trying to and their accent is in the way. But um yeah, I think that would be it or paying more attention when my dad would try to teach us Japanese phrases and stuff. I'm like, I don't need to know this. <laughs> <laughs> but just just have more patience as a child wow thanks for sharing that. i think it also ties that back to what you talked about cultural patience but instead of you know applying to other people you brought it back in words like you wish you had been a bit more patient with your dad in some certain areas oh absolutely wow. i can only imagine how upsetting it must have been for him to be in those situations and he's like cool, cool. nobody here understands what i'm saying oh well, thanks a lot for sharing that. That was really, really, um, I learned a lot yeah. from that. So, um, what's, what's your next plan? So I know you right now you're freelancing. You're also working for an agency. What, what's your next step as far as your branding and your um, creative process is concerned? Yeah. So right now I am working full time at an agency and then freelance projects as I can. Yeah. Um, I'm just hoping to expand my portfolio uh, as a designer and branding and, um, just kind of expand more. And I just, I feel like design is one of the few fields where you never stop learning and it is always changing. And uh, I was about I, saying that I, it's very dynamic. Yeah. And I just hope that I will always want to learn. Thank you for that. And how often do you visit Japan by the way? I try to go as often as I can, yeah. but, um, it is hard, especially with the business seasons and such but I've been a few times the last time I went I want to say was probably four years ago okay I think next summer um my family and I are gonna try to take a big trip yeah because my brother had a son um and they want to take him to Japan oh and nice husband, hasn't been so I think we're all gonna try to go next summer together do you have cousins there and all the family members yeah, like all of my dad's family is there like he has a older brother and an older sister and all of their kids my aunts and uncles and cousins and we're all incredibly close we have like a facebook page for everybody in the family it's so fun and they uh 
all of them came down to Texas a few years ago for my brother's wedding. Yeah. Uh, but we're all incredibly close. It's just so hard when you're on opposite sides of the planet. That's good. That's really, really good. Sounds like a very tight-knit family. It is. It's, I'm very, I'm very thankful for all of them. And I, I wish we could all see each other more, though. So what's the best thing about Japan you like? Oh, gosh, just the people are mm. amazing. It's just a completely different standard for strangers is what I say. Just, yeah. I just, in America, you just, strangers are just like, you're either, I wouldn't say strangers are rude. Yeah. The time, I mean, like, of course, there are situations where strangers are rude and hateful, but I wouldn't say that's Maybe distant, strangers are more distant in America. I would absolutely say that. Yeah. Japan, I just feel like as a foreigner, yeah. and I'm being half Japanese, I don't look completely American, but I don't look completely Japanese. Um, but being there, they just accept you and strangers will smile at you and strangers will open doors for you or try to help you find what you're looking for. Yeah. Even if you don't speak their language, it just, it honestly gives you a whole new standard for strangers. Mm. Would you say maybe they're more culturally patient? More culturally curious. So the first time we went to Japan, then junior high maybe, maybe high school. We went, no, I was younger. I must have been fifth grade. Um, my cousin went with us and he is a, a six foot six tall. Oh, that's tall. You stand out. <laughs> bleach blonde tips. Just Whoa. A giant person. <laughs> and strangers on the street would come up and want to hold their hand next to him. Aww. As in, want to take pictures with him and want to know more about him. So he became a J-pop star. <laughs> exactly. He was a J-pop star. <laughs> but in America, it's like if you look you're just kind of, everyone just kind of side eyes yeah and yeah i think that's a beautiful thing about japanese culture is their curiosity for their cultures very good very good thanks for that um i think it's safe now for us to go to the mardi gras section of the podcast So welcome to the Mardi Gras section. <laughs> that was a switch. The question you chose to answer was, you are a world traveler, Erica. What's your next stop and why? Um, well, after Japan, mm-hmm. I really want to do a tour of Australia and New Zealand. Mm. Um, Australia, because I... Have you ever seen a quokka, Mo? Have I ever seen what? A quokka? No, I haven't. What's that? It is this marsupial in Australia. Oh, really? They're called the happiest animals. Really? Like, yes, they are adorable. And my dream in life is to go to Australia to a petting zoo (laughs) with a quokka. Just that one? And then you'll be happy? (laughs) Of course, all the other animals. (laughs) But once you look up what a quokka is, Q-U-O-K-K-A, it is the happiest thing. Okay, I'm gonna look them up. Do they look like kangaroos or what do they what animals do they look like? Kind of like okay. They have like they're the size of a koala, I would say. Okay. The body of a rabbit. Ooh. The face of like almost a hamster. 
hamster in its cuteness. Mm. It's just in like the tail of a kangaroo. I just googled them. There was one like Aren't holding his so hand cute? out trying to hug me. Aren't they so oh. If you had an uncle called Bob, like this is what they would look yeah. like. <laughs> oh, they look so happy. It's my first time hearing about them, Erica. I never heard about this animal before. I know. Mm. I, I know they're native to Australia, but I don't think other countries have them, like even in like attractions. Oh, wow. But I just go play with the quokka so badly. They just seem like they would make any problem go away. Oh, thanks for sharing that. They do look really, really happy. <laughs> oh. Well, now that's where you're going to want to go next. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I understand Australia. Why New Zealand? I, my family, we were all big into uh, the Lord of the Rings. I was about saying that. Maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous country. Yeah. And, you know, I'm from Texas, and you don't see my, like, uh, the best scenery you get here most of the time is in the hill country, which is gorgeous. It's gorgeous here. But it's quite a drive. Yeah. Oh, my God. Drive. But... I just think New Zealand is on a whole other level, and I, as a Christian, would want to see God's beauty like, mm. and a whole new appreciation mm. for it. Very nice. Now I just want to be part of that entourage when you do go to these countries. Take me with you. <laughs> well, let's go. <laughs> Anyways, um, so we're kind of winding down to the end of the podcast section, and do you have any words you'd like to say before I wrap it up? like to say try new things even if they terrify you other cultures find a restaurant for a culture or a cuisine you've never tried just do it um i can't say that i've ever had a situation where i tried something new and tried to experience another person's culture and i regretted it Mm. yeah you may learn something new you may learn something new and i learned a lot of things from you today I learned about cultural patience and how to practice that more not just to other people but also to some of our family members that might not you know be on the same level of cultural competence that we are in it could be language it could be exposure it could be art it could be so many areas I learned that from you I also you already said that about you know trying to learn new things and explore the world and and be more adventurous thank you Erica you're and, so welcome. And thanks a lot for um, being on the show. It was really, really wonderful to um, have Absolutely. you here. This was so fun. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And where can people reach you if they wanted to, you know, um, learn more about your art or even, you know, book so you for a gig? So my portfolio is uh-huh. teamsaintveen.com. Okay. okay. That's T-E-A-M-S-T-V-I-G-N-E. Okay. Oh, nice. It's the best meal in the world. I really miss those Tex-Mex food, actually. (laughs) So I'm also going to include your information on my website, if that's okay. So people can can reach reach you on there. Thanks a lot, Erica. Well, thank you all for listening to this episode of the More Civil Podcast. It's been nice interviewing Erica Senvin Tanaka, and I look forward to connecting with you all next week. (laughs) 